Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We know your life will be changed for the better by listening to God's word. If you'd like to know more about Trinity Beaumont or contribute to our ministry, please visit www.trinitybeaumont.com. Thank you, Andrew, and thank you, band. And thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace. Come on. The only reason we're here this morning is because of the grace of God. Come on, you ought to shout amen on that one. You might not have known this, but it was grace that brought you to this place. And um, I have the extreme privilege and honor of closing out this series that uh, my wife, Pastor Caitlin, has done such a tremendous and amazing job. How many of you guys have gotten something out of this grace series? Come on. Well, let's pray, because uh, I can tell we got some hungry people this morning, and I don't mean naturally, I mean spiritually. Y'all came for, came for a word. So Lord, we love you so much. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in advance, because we, we count what you're about to do as already being done, and so we thank you that, God, you are shifting and moving things, both in the natural and the spiritual, Lord. You're, you're causing our eyes to be open and giving us clarity and insight into where you're leading us. And um, God, we, we, we know that we are going to live different because of your word, because Jesus, when you show up, everything changes. And so we give you the glory and the honor and praise. And everyone who believed it said, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, like I said, we are in the middle of a, uh, or finishing out a series on uh, Bible basics, and um, one of the basics that we started with, or this basic that we started with, is called Amazing Grace. Touch your neighbor and say, you need grace. You need more and more and more grace. We all do. And um, last week, we uh, talked about our amazing husband, who is Jesus. And this week, I want to get into um, the amazing law. I know that's kind of a uh, conundrum or uh, an oxymoron, so to speak. Uh, but I believe that at the end of this message, you will have a good understanding, a good foundation as to why God gave the lie and law and why it's relevant. How many of you guys believe that if it's in the Bible, it's important? Right, but there's how many laws? There's like 613 laws. It's, that's a lot. The law is divided into a couple different parts. There's the moral and the ceremonial laws. And the uh, ceremonial uh, consists of the feasts, and the, the feasts and the dietary laws. And then uh, the moral is where we get the Ten Commandments from and all the judicial laws. Um, this is actually where uh, we, as a nation, have derived uh, murder and manslaughter. We're from God's law. Believe it or not, um, a lot of what the United States was found on was uh, from the Bible. And we may have strayed a little bit here and there. How many of you guys know that uh, we're not perfect? But uh, all that to say uh, that there are a lot of laws. Like I said, there's uh, 613 in total. And so that um, is, is a whole pill to swallow. Am I right? It's a lot of laws. I'm, I'm not very good at keeping laws. I'm kind of a lawbreaker. I'm kind of a, I, I'm resistant against people telling me what to do and how to do things. Anybody else? So why do we have the law? So I want to start off with uh, kind of talking about this, that because the law isn't bad because it should help us live right. Right here at the beginning, yeah, amen, the law helps us live right. How many of you guys know living right is important to God because God is what? He's righteous. And so we don't, we don't get to God on our own because it's the grace of God that brings us there, but then we are made righteous by what? By the blood of Jesus, by the cleansing of his word. Anyways, so um, here's something to uh, think about. In Matthew 7, 23, we, we read about how Jesus talks about People, he said, um, this is the part of the Bible where um, people come to Jesus. They say, Lord, we did all these things in your name. And he says, I don't know who you are. Depart from me, you who practice. What's that word? You guys know it? Lawlessness. Lawlessness. And so right here in, in the Gospels, when we, and we see Jesus. When we see Jesus, we see what? We see grace and truth. And so when we see Jesus, we see the, full, uh, um, the fullness of God, truly, when they come together, and we see, um, we see 
everything coming out of the Old Testament, the law, and then we see the New Testament, which is grace, and we see them combining Jesus. And so when Jesus says, I don't know you because you practice lawlessness, a couple of key words there. Now, of course, we're talking about the law. So lawlessness is a key word. But the other word that I really want you guys to underline there, if you guys your Bible, is practice. So this doesn't mean mistaking. This doesn't mean accidental. This means that you are like intentionally rebelling against God. So don't do that. That's not a good thing. It's, it's okay that sometimes we mess up and, and don't get me wrong. Like I'm, I'm rebellious. Like I don't like sometimes I don't want to do things. So anyway, so the law is a good thing because it helps us to live right. Um, that being said, again, I would like to reiterate, we're not married to the law. Thank God. We're not married to the law. We're now married to Jesus. But when Jesus comes to live in our heart, there's something really important that happens. In Hebrews 10, 16, we read that God now writes his law on our hearts. And so let's compare 2 to 613. Which do you think is easier to keep, two laws or 613? So if you will, go to Matthew 22 really quick, and we're just going to, um, I've, I've got a, a lot of scriptures we're, we're going over, so we can see Hebrews 10, 16. Um, but here we are in Matthew 22, and um, this is where we get our two laws from that every Christian, every believer, every follower of Jesus, say, that's me. Tell your neighbor, that's you. Are you, you can ask him, are you a follower? Do you follow Jesus? If you follow Jesus, this is us. And so this ought to be something that you write down, that you take with you. And of course, we understand that this is written on our heart by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says this, because they answered him, what's the greatest and most important command? What's the greatest and most important law? And we, we know there were a lot to choose from. There's 613. And Jesus says this, that the first and most important is that you should love the Lord your God. I think I, I, I'm going to start over. I'm going to get, I need somebody to help me out here. You need to do what? You need to love the Lord your God with what? Every passion of your heart, the second, with all the energy of your being, and the last, with every thought that is within you. So uh, tell your neighbor, love God. The second is equally, it's great and supreme commandment. Um, Next verse for me, 39. Thanks. And the second is like it in importance, because you must love your friends. Somebody say, love people. In the same way you love yourself. And those, that's, that's our first two vision, vision uh, statements, that we should love God and love people. And so right here, this is where we get it from, because this is what Jesus said is the most important thing that you could possibly do with your life, is to love God with everything. Can you go back to that verse for me just real quick? With every passion in your heart. Come on, how, mu- how much passion do you have in your heart? You, only you know how to measure that. With all the energy of your being and with every thought that was in you. That's a, that's a lot to work on, am I right? And so we, the reason I, I present this to you today, because we're, we're going we're gonna to go over to the Old Testament. We're going to talk a lot about the law and why we have it and why it's important. But right here at the end of this uh, passage, or the, the, these, two verses, these three verses in verse 40, if you will, we see that Jesus says this. He says, contained within what? These two commandments. To love, you will find all the meaning of the law and the prophets. Selah. Like, I'm glad to hear that because that means I don't have to, guys, like, honest moment as a preacher and a pastor. So I didn't go to seminary school and I dropped out of Bible school, but I thoroughly love the Lord now. So amen. Thank God for uh, repentance and, uh, and grace and mercy. That being said, I don't know half of the 613 laws or maybe more than a couple of dozen. <laughs> there's a lot. And so I'm really glad to find out, aren't you, that there's only two things that I have to keep up with, which are a lot for sure, because loving people is another one. And I'm not going to get off into that, I promise. Because <laughs> I, I really, it's really easy to talk about. I'm so glad. People are the best things about life and the worst. And um, so... Upon these two is all the law and the prophets. Amen. Okay, so why did God give us the law? Um, Here's the thing. Before Jesus came, the Jews, God's people, God's chosen people, only knew how to relate to God through the law and law-keeping. And so when Jesus showed up on the earth, this was like 
now we get to live in this place of relationship instead of just trying to follow rules. And I'm just so glad. But here's the thing. Since we know that the law is important, and I want to jump over to Matthew 5 here in a second, um, but before we do that, I want to talk about what Jesus says in John 1. Since we know the law is important, how do we, how do we not just do away with it? And, and so before we go to Matthew 5, I want to jump to John 1, 14. And, and this says something that I think is really key to living in, in a place of grace. It says that, The Word became flesh. And remember, we're talking about 613 laws, all of the Old Testament, which is a whole 39 books. And it says the Word, which is Jesus, now embodied, becomes flesh, dwells among us. We saw his glory as the only Son from the Father. And And he comes to us full of what? Somebody help me out. Full of grace and truth. And so this is why when Jesus is speaking about the law and when we read anything in the Bible, period, but especially in the New Testament, we're supposed to live from the New Testament. Somebody say amen. Amen. That we ought to pay attention to it. And so jump over to Matthew 5, verse 17. And uh, I'm I'm jumping around to different translations, so you have to forgive me because I think I started in the Passion and now I'm in the NLT and I was talking about the NASB a second ago. And if you don't know what Bible translations are, um, I really encourage you to uh, get involved with the English Standard Version or the New American Standard Version. And so I I commonly refer to that as the NASB. I like that a lot. And so here we are in uh, Matthew 5. And Jesus, uh, if you're unfamiliar with this passage, Jesus is on um, the mounts. And this is a Sermon on the Mount. This is, uh, he talks a lot about... um, some really important things here in these couple chapters of Matthew. So he said, don't misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses. And they were like, oh, what? That's so much to keep up with. He said, I didn't, I didn't come to, to get rid of the writings of the prophets. And the prophets were crazy. And so they're like, oh, my gosh, like, really got to keep up with them still? No, I came to accomplish your purpose. Now we're really confused. So he says this, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even one of the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. So we know right now he's talking to followers of Christians, followers of Jesus, because this is not unbelievers. They're not going to hell. They're least in the kingdom of heaven if you ignore the commandments if you don't pay attention to them, and if you teach others to do the same. However, anyone who obeys God's laws, come on, it's good to be obedient and follow God's laws. This person then will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So if you follow them, if you obey them and teach them, how many of you guys like teaching now? I want to be great in the kingdom of heaven after reading this. I, I want to be a teacher, except that I know that the scripture says those who teach are held in higher um, high responsibility, so they're going to be dealt with more strongly. But you know what? I like, I like, the, uh, compar- I like the, 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 the scale because I want to be great in the kingdom. So I think it's worth the risk to be a teacher because I want to teach God's commands. So that being said, one of the things we need to take from right here at the beginning of this message is that God is commanding us to live morally because he said, I will write my law upon your heart. And his law is to what? To love. And love demands a response. Love demands a type of lifestyle. Love demands that we should follow God's way, that we should treat and honor him and his word and what he says with respect. Here's one of the things, there's a tension with this, there's some conflict in this, especially to those, maybe if you're new to uh, following Jesus or if you're far away from Christ right now, um, something that has been pretty prevalent in the last few years is that um, people are pretty subjective when it comes to morality. But there's a danger with that. And, And there's the tension with that is because yes, God is for people and yes, God is for free will, but the, the tension and the conflict with subjective morality is, is pretty broad. And, and the, the scenario and the example goes like this. If you take that off the screen for me, thanks. This, the scenario example goes like this. Do you lock your doors at night? So then you too are afraid of subjective morality. Because to one person, 
they may or may not believe something that is right that you don't, such as treating or mistreating someone in a certain manner. How many of you guys have been um, mistreated before? And God's law, the law of love, which all the laws are hinged upon, demands respect and honor for, for others. And, it's, and, and so there are some things, and we're going to get into it just a little bit, um, that God commands us to do uh, when it comes to the morality that are not subjective whatsoever. Somebody say amen. Okay. So that being said, we, we as followers of Jesus, we must have objective, which is absolute, so to speak, because God, when it comes to morality, we're talking about objective morality, we're talking about God, there, there is only one God. So there's only one way. So we have to have his word that leads us and guides us to what morality is and isn't. So four things about the law that you can take home with you today that you can write, uh, write down. The first one is that the law is a master. The law is a master, and it, the, the reason the law is a master is because it brings us to Jesus. And so um, I, I love that it, uh, because originally the, the tag or the first part of this sermon that I'm borrowing uh, is that it's just a master, but I, I could not leave out that last part that it's a master to bring us to Jesus. Because the most important thing that, that the law should be doing is pointing us to Jesus, that we need him so deeply. So Galatians 3 writes this, that she's fine in it, it's fine. She's, it says, therefore the law was our tutor, and I want to jump to that word in just a minute, to bring us to Christ that we might be what? Justified by faith, not our works. Come on, somebody. That's a whole other sermon. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. If you leave that up there for just a second, I want to talk about the word tutor because when we see this word in the New Testament, it only appears three times, but this word is not uh, someone who's actually a teacher. It's someone who is um, a guide or really a chaperone, if you will. Uh, this person was assigned the responsibility of bringing the student from home to the teacher. Aren't you glad that the law is a master to bring us to the teacher. I know it's kind of a, a, almost, if you will, like an oxymoron when it comes to the English uh, verbiage here. However, I, I just ask that you try to stick with me here because when you look at the, the true meaning of this word tutor, that's what it gets down to, is that it's to bring you to the teacher and back home. And so now we see this, that it's so important that we, we walk away with that. So couple things. Um, all right, hold on. Let me, let me look through this because I only just started preparing yesterday. So, ah, yes. Okay, so what the law says. The law says a lot of doing. The law says a lot of doing. The law says a lot of doing. But Jesus says that we only need to believe. We only need to believe. And so in, in following the law and, and following morality uh, in the law is going to sound a lot like you need Jesus because we cannot fulfill this on our own. Um, and I, I think from this point of the fact that the law is a master to bring us to Jesus, what you're going to hear before you come to Jesus is that you need Jesus. And the amazing thing about the law, and especially the law of love, is that we need Jesus so much. So before and after, the law is still going to point us to Jesus. So remember, again, we were talking about why did God give us the law and how is it relevant? Why is this relevant to our life? Because we know that we're not married to the law. We're married to Jesus. But that being said, we must have morality. And so, come on, somebody say, I, you, I need Jesus. Don't be worried about telling your neighbor now. You need it. So something to think about is, is uh, that, or 
that was brought up in this point is the fact that the law is super demanding and extensive, right? There's 613. That's a whole lot. But what if you could transfer? In other words, since the law is this teacher, or since, since the law is so demanding and extensive, how many of you guys want to like to be in a learning scenario where you are going to fail? Anybody? Like, I, I don't want to be in a class. I don't like being in, in, in classrooms, or I don't like um, trying to learn something if I know I'm going to fail. Now, many times, I fail. <laughs> like all of us in this room, we fail. We fall short. But that being said, what's so beautiful about where we are now, living in the place of grace, is that since grace and truth has come to us, we don't have to stay in that class anymore. How many of you guys know that you can transfer, right? And so when it comes to the law, we, we've got to, in our heart, down here in my spirit, it just feels so good to talk about transferring because I don't have to follow the law. I get to follow Jesus. And that transfer is one of the most important things that you can do, that you and I can do as followers of Jesus because it's no longer about behaving. It's about believing, and, and when I believe that Jesus, Jesus is my master, he is my teacher, I no longer have to try and do it on my own. And, and this is such good news because I am going to fail on my own. But if I stick with him, I know that his grace will always lead me back to the right path, the right path of repentance, of not following my own way, but following Jesus. Come on, amen. Y'all getting some good stuff out of this already? Okay, so... It, Jesus is that, that teacher where everybody always gets A's. He's always available, and he's kind. He's gracious. He helps you to understand. So we don't have to stay under the law. We can transfer. Amen. So the second thing that, we, uh, that I want you to write down or that we, I want to talk about today is the fact that the law is a mirror. James 1, 23, we're in the Passion again. Good morning, guys. Welcome. James 1 says, if you listen, so this is a, um, oh, I forgot that type of word. But anyways, if is the really key word here. Um, if you know it, just shout it at me. Okay. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. But... You perceive how God, and you perceive how God sees you in the mirror, excuse me, you perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and forget your, and I love the way the Passion uh, translates this, your divine origin. Can we go back to the, the beginning? So if you listen to the word and you don't live out the message you hear, you're going to become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of your face, and in the beginning... And you perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then because you didn't listen and do it, you go out and forget your divine origin. How many of you guys know your divine origin is what? That we are, we have been made in the image and the likeness of God. We, our purpose and destiny is to become and, and really be just like Jesus. That's your purpose. And so the law when we, when we see this, that God's word, this is when it's talking about the mirror, it's talking about God's word, both the Old and the New Testament, is a mirror to help us see who we are. Because how many of you guys know, just for a second, um, that Jesus is the Bible and the Bible is Jesus. And so when we, when we come to him to get to know him, it's not like me and you, like, what do you like? What's your favorite color? Like, what do you want to go eat today? Like, those are all like super simple things and they're very finite, right? But when we come to God, we're talking about a complex, beyond complex, because he's infinite, not just a being, but divine. He is the God, the one who was and is and is to come. And so when, when we're talking about our divine origin, we're talking about the reflection of our maker, you and I, only one of a kind. Okay, so anyways, last, last uh, verse here in James 1, 25 says this, that, the, but those, come on, 
But those who set their gaze deeply into perfecting the law of liberty, which is grace and truth here, the law of liberty, are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all they do because why? They set their gaze. And if you've got, if you've got your Bible out, this is a good thing to under, underline. Because the world is going to try to grow thorns into everything that's going on, it's gonna, and the, the cares of this world. And money is going to try and talk to you and say, you need to get me, because I'm going to take care of you. But Jesus, now, come on, he's our master. We're married to him. He said, I'll take care of you if you do it my way. And so we've got to what? We've got to fix our gaze, set our gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty. How many of you guys like bondage? Like getting chained up, shackled. And I like liberty. So this means that we've got to set our gaze deeply. Let's keep that up there for me just a second. Thanks. Set our gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty. And then what's going to happen is after we do all this, we respond to the truth they hear and we're strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing. How many of you guys want this? In everything that you do. What? That's good news. So the word, God's word, is a mirror to help us. I like that. So the, the law does this. It reflects the moral standards of God. So if you want to know whether or not a thing is good or bad for you, we can find out from God's word. The law, will it's a teacher, right? It's to bring us to Jesus. Now it's a mirror. It's helping, it's helping shine on us and show us where, where we're at. It's helping show us who we are. Do we look like Jesus? Or have we been following some of our selfish ways, right? And, and so you and I know. So the law is going to help us see that adultery is bad. The law is going to help us see that there's a lot of immorality that, that is not good for us as followers of Jesus. It actually isn't good for people, period. Immorality is not good for people, period. Why? Why isn't immorality good? Why is God, why is there objective morality? Why can't morality be subjective? Why can't, and there's a whole slew of things that, that have been going on in our nation, Right? We've, we've seen the breakdown. But the reason why stealing is bad, why lying is bad, why cheating is bad, why um, immorality is bad, period, is because what happens is it is bad for people. It's, and you know who God is for? People. God's for me. And so what happens is when you and I go against the standards of God, what we're doing is we're going against not just people, we're going against ourselves. It's going to end up, we're going to end up in a position that is not just damaging to those around us, but it will damage us. Often more times than not, it's going to hurt you more than it does other people, I would venture to say. So um, just a little side note, you don't have to go there, but Romans 7 says, what should we say to all this? Am I suggesting the law is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that gave us a clear definition of sin. So the law is the one that's helping us clarify, outline, and, and give boundaries and perimeter, parameters to how we should live. Yes, the laws of love are, they, everything are, are hinged upon these things, but there, there's confusion in some ways in what is love because love is selfless. And so I should just allow people to do what I want. No. We, no, we shouldn't just allow our, our, ourselves to do what we want. We've really got to start there before we can work on talking about other people. We can't just allow ourselves to do what we want. God's selfless. He loves me. So if I want to do this, I'm getting off a little bit, so you have to forgive me. Then, then God loves me no matter what. And you're right that God's love is, is not with, it's not conditional, or it is unconditional. You're right that God's love is unconditional. However, there's something that God wants for you that you're not going to get if you don't live within the parameters of the law because the law is going to help you live the same type of God life, so to speak. So, that, so when we talk about the law, we're, we're talking about living this, this life that is God-like because God's way is what? There's one way. 
God is righteous. There is only one God. There's only one way to God the Father. And again, I know this is, yes, absolute. Truth is absolute in its nature. There cannot be uh, um, subjective truth in the same way that there cannot be subjective morality because morality must be objective. So I know this is, this is kind of a sting, but that being said, if we're going to, to be willing to follow the ways of God, the ways uh, of the Bible, Jesus, who is the word, then we have to submit to this and say, okay, God, help me to understand this. If you're for people, then how can I help them to understand that I'm not against them even when I don't agree or believe the same way they do? Okay, so, the, so like I said, the, the law reflects the parameters and the boundaries of God's desires, but it doesn't reflect the parameters of his law. I'm going to say that just one more time. The law, it reflects the boundaries of God's desires, but it doesn't reflect the boundaries and the parameters of God's law. love. Excuse me. So even though the world doesn't keep God's law, and even though we don't always keep God's law, that doesn't stop God from loving us. Hallelujah. So to kind of, I, I want to make sure I put this really plainly. When it comes to loved people, loved ones, people that you and I know, whether it's friendship or whatever type of ship, sometimes we get into that conversation that, that where we're going different ways and we're saying, I don't agree with what you're doing, but I want you to know that I love you. And the reason why I don't agree with it is because what's going to end up happening is it's going to be detrimental. How many of you guys know that, that when somebody does something very wrong in uh, marriage, like adultery, that is very detrimental to not just that relationship, but the relationships around them? all relationships around them, the entirety of every relationship is going to infect like cancer. Cancer doesn't just um, spread to just one arm. It spreads everywhere. And so when we talk about morality, immorality, we're talking about that, that type of cancer in a way, if you will. I hope This is making good sense, isn't it? It's helping me. So we let people know, listen, that is going to lead you to destruction, right? There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to destruction. But I'd love you no matter what, no matter how bad you hurt other people or no matter how bad you hurt me or even yourself. Like, I want you to know that I love you. And so um, it's not our desire to, for people to get hurt, but love cannot override free will, will not override free will. And that's why God is who he is and, and does what he does because love allows that to take place. So we see this example um, in John 8. There's a story of a woman who is caught in the act of adultery, literally. And um, they're like, listen, the law says stoner. And Jesus is like, you're right, it does. And they're like, but, but what do you say? And Jesus says this. He, he said it's really simple. He says, the one who's without sin can cast the first stone. And many of you know this story. They all drop their stones, starting with the oldest to the least, the youngest. And, and by the way, right? Jesus pre-qualifies himself to throw a stone. But get this. The story finishes out like this. He says, where is everybody that was here to condemn you? They wanted to, they wanted to kill you because the law demanded that you be stoned. And he said, she says, all my accusers are gone, Lord. He says, well, I don't condemn you either. But I want you to remember that if you continue in this type of lifestyle, it's going to continue to be destructive to you and those around you. He says, so go and sin no more. Amen. So we've got to live from that place of grace where, where we're not just beating people over the head like, how dare you? You shouldn't do that because that's not the way that God treats us. He, he leads us in kindness or repentance. How many of you guys know Romans 2.4? It says that it's the goodness and the kindness, the unfailing love of God that leads us to repentance. Repentance has to deal with not following our way, which is destructive, but following God's way, which leads to everlasting and eternal life. Aren't you glad? So number three, the law is a map. How many of you guys are directionally challenged? Anybody? We were driving in, in Utah this last week. We just got back from Salt Lake last night. And um, it nearly took me all week before I, really, uh, before I finally realized that north was not north, it was south, and south was not south, it was north. And so when we would be driving in the car, I'd have to get my phone out and have to plug it into CarPlay, thank God. 
hallelujah for CarPlay, and my map would pull up on the screen, and I have my, my uh, uh, compass down there in front of me, and it would point, and, and it would say, you're going west, and I'd be like, no, this looks like east in my mind. For whatever reason, I, I'm directionally challenged. It's not a faith statement. It's just, just a matter of fact. So Lord, Lord's going to help me out with that one of these days. I'm going to get a revelation and find my internal compass, by faith at least. So all that to say that the, ma- the, the law is a map, um, and it helps us go the way we're supposed to go. Psalms 119 verse 105 says this, that your word... Psalms 119, 105... Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so what it looks like, whether or not you have your Bible on your phone or wherever uh, you use your, however you, your map looks like it, if you've got a paper map, what, show your neighbor, whatever, it doesn't matter. A map's a map. I'm thankful for a map. This one's just easier for uh, convenience sake. So it looks like this. It looks like I'm going to follow this to the point it tells me to turn right or to even turn around and go back the way that I came from, we've got to follow the map because a map helps us to get to the place where God wants us to go. How many of you guys want to be in the place where God wants you? So the the law is a map that helps you not just get where you're going, but to live in in a a type, a, a... Oh, what's a a word I'm looking for? It's going to help you live a, a... a joy-filled life. Uh, how, about, how about this? How about the, that the law is a map to help you live a purpose-filled life? How many of you guys want to live with purpose? Yeah. Amen. I, I feel pretty emphatically the same. Yes, absolutely. I want to live my life with, with not having regrets. I want to live my life that is impactful. I want to live my life establishing the kingdom. I want, to be, I want to be great in the kingdom of God. And this means that I'm not going to, if, if, if we're talk, since we're talking about the law and since we're talking about following Jesus, this means that I'm not going to do or say or, or, or think the same things that others do. Because the law is that rigid, right? It's objective. It's a singular type of thing that's, that's going to lead me down the path, or really up, if you will, through, through those gates, even, the pearly gates, ultimately. But literally, in this life, it's going to be that, that purpose-filled life. And so the law is a map, that, um, and he says it this way, to have a good and joy-filled life. And I like that, too. And so all the time when we're seeing through Psalms 119, we hear, um, we hear law, we hear um, your ways, God, we hear um, your statutes, your uh, precepts. And so we're talking about the law being a map, and it's how to have that life that God has designed. Um, not, and and that, that being said, even sometimes when I'm following a map, how many of you guys have ever done this? When you follow a map and you miss your turn, come on. So I had the map in front of me the whole way in Salt Lake, but guess what? I still took wrong turns. So it's not to say that you should um, anticipate taking a wrong turn because I don't anticipate taking a wrong turn. Sometimes I get distracted. Sometimes I get preoccupied or busy or distracted, you know, with a, a phone call, phone message, something going on in the car, my child screaming in the back seat, um, you know, pretty uh, things around me. Gosh, there were beautiful trees everywhere out there. How many of you guys love evergreens? I had 30, 50, 100 feet of evergreens stacked everywhere out there. I don't, I don't think we actually saw any 100, but maybe 80. So, um, so even since, even though we're using the law um, as, a, as a map and we're following it to the best of our ability, doesn't mean that the life is not going to be without detours or wrong turns. So I just want you to know that, that even followers of Jesus, they mess up. So it's okay to mess up. Pat yourself on the back. So you're going to make it. Keep following the map. When it tells you to turn around, turn around. So uh, when we read the word, it's us following that map for which way to go. The do's and the don'ts of life. And so um, I kind of already talked about this and going back into immorality and morality, talking about it's not good for you to go that way because you'll drive off a cliff. (laughs) So follow the map. Amen. Okay, so a challenging little tricky thing is this, is that um, 
how many of you guys know that when we follow God's way, like we're talking about, it's a way to have a purpose and a, and a good life, the type of life that God wants you to? Here's the challenge, though, is that Satan has tried to convince us. He's, he's really good at deceiving. How many of you guys know he's the father of all lies? And everything he, everything he says is a lie. There's nothing, there's no truth in it. It's not nothing but the truth. It's just not, it's no truth, period. And so what, what he does is he tries to come along and convince you. He said, hey, um, you know, remember that, that fun thing? Um, that's, that's not God. But how many of you guys know that, that a good thing, a God thing, is to have purpose, is to have meaning? And so just because, um, just because it doesn't necessarily align with where you came from or how you're feeling in the moment, how many of you guys know sometimes you want to go a certain way, but it's not the right way you should go. Don't mouth off, right? Don't lose your temper. That's not the way to go. God's way for life, it is good. It is, it is godly. It's more than good. It's godly. It's his, his type of good. And so we have to, you just have to be careful and pay attention and make sure you're keeping that map in front of you, like James says. Keep that mirror in front of you. So um, the uh, last point on this is just that since, since it's a map, um, if you're ever having any questions about how to do things, how to get somewhere, maybe you want to be a business owner, maybe you want to be married, maybe you want to have kids, the law is a map to help you navigate these things. And, and I'm not, I don't have time to get into that. I'm, in fact, I think nearly out of time or over my time. But anyways, last thing, number four, the law is a measure. How many of you guys know that uh, measuring things and, and helping keep them exact is a good thing? So the, the first thing that the law is going to do is that, uh, or in this point I mean to say that it's being a measure, is that it's going to help me show, it's going to help show me how I'm doing and growing in my relationship with Christ. And remember this, you guys, uh, this is a little fast, hold on. So the law is a measure, it's going to help us show how we're doing and growing in our relationship with Jesus. Got that? Was that a little better? Sorry, I'm kind of running through this. I'll go through the points one more time. So the law is a master to bring us to Jesus. Number two, the law is a mirror, shows us how we're doing. The Number three, the law is a map, right? It shows us the direction, the course. And then the last one is the law is a measure, to uh, measure our life. So really important thing about the law that um, I hope that you don't misunderstand and that you uh, walk away with is this, that law keeping is not the true measure of spirituality when it comes to the law. However... When we're talking about um, the law, when we talk about the law of love, this is going to show us the uh, true measure of our spirituality. Because if we're really walking in love and kindness and gentleness and humility, come on, that's, that actually is going to produce fruit. And so that actually will show us the measure of our spirituality if we're producing fruit that is ever, that is eternal, that's everlasting. But if we're just trying to follow rules... Without relationship, it produces rebellion, like uh, Pastor Kitten was talking about. Then what's going to happen? We're going to end up like a Pharisee that beat people over the head with laws, that, that cut people down. And the law was never intended to be a machete. This is our fifth M, if you will, so to speak. Because um, the law is a measure, but it's not supposed to be a machete. And so you have to keep in mind that there is a, a vast spectrum to the um, levels of spirituality, if you will, there are, how many of you guys know that there is um, about uh, four different stages when it comes to growing up? Um, perhaps more if you want to make this natural, but I've got a one-year-old right now, and so she is a baby, right? So we, we all know what babies are like, but then I also have a, a father-in-law who's much like a dad to me on the front row, and he's, he's 73, what, what? Looking good, too. And, um, and so I'm not going to hold them to the same standard. So when it comes to believers, we need to remember, and also especially with ourselves, that we can't just hold ourselves to the same spirituality that Jesus walked in all the time. Not that we shouldn't try to attain perfection or try to become like him. Yes, please don't misunderstand me. Yes, we need to chase after. We need to set our gaze and, and fix our mind on things above. We should not just try to stay, stay like a baby. I think I lost my batteries, guys. Oh, here we go. Ooh, my bad. Okay, so... 
we should not just try to live. I, I don't want McKenna to stay one years old. I don't want her. I don't want to have to feed her all the time. I don't want to have to change her diaper forever. I love her. I'm so glad that she's a baby. She's fine that she's a baby. But you know, you know what? God doesn't want you to stay a baby. Amen. And so the law is a measure to help you show, are you still acting like a baby? Stop it. Like, are you still are you still acting immature? Don't do that. The law, the law is is that one to help even like a gentle, you know, little slap on the wrist. Hey, don't don't do that. Don't touch that. And McKenna's learning that a lot right now because she'll end up pulling stuff on her. How many of you guys know that that babies make messes, that children get into trouble? And so God's not mad at you when you do something that's wrong. What does he want? He wants the best for you. So the, the law is a measure to help us. Have what? The best kind of life that God wants for us. But we cannot, we must not, starting with ourselves, use the law like a machete. We don't need to cut ourselves down. How dare you? You stupid, blah, blah, blah. You shouldn't have done that. You know better than to fall back into sin. Well, yes, of course, not always, but most often we knew, we knew we shouldn't have gone down that path. We knew we shouldn't have started thinking about that, smoked that, drunk that, you know, been there at that certain time of night. We shouldn't. No, that's not a good thing. But the law is not a machete in that it should keep you laid down on the ground so you can't get back up, so you can't grow up in maturity in Jesus. The law is to help us to become just like him in every aspect, every way. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wind down and close now for my band. So the law helps me see how I'm doing. I want to give you just a, a little last uh, story here. So there is, uh, and hopefully I, I do this well because this is a really good story. There's a guy who is in an ethics class, and ethics is all about, you know, morality, right? Right or wrong. And so um, had a really, really a meticulous teacher, this guy did. Actually, he was a, a seminary teacher. And this guy, um, one day, they're um, taking a test. And he said, I don't want you to pass the test in. I want you to grade it yourself. And so, you know, going through, you, you have to grade it yourself. And so he's thinking, okay, well, this is an ethics test. So he's going to grade me on how I actually test myself. I hope this doesn't get too, too complex in my wording. And, and so he says, well, since he is such a meticulous teacher, I'm going to make sure that um, I, 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 I'm very attentive to the way I grade myself. And so if I, don't, if I miss a part of the answer, then I, I'm going to miss that part, and I'm going to have to dock my points. Everyone understand? And, and so they get to the end, they, they've graded their tests, and he says, okay, now let's go to chapter two. And uh, they're like, no, wait a, wait, a, wait a second, what do you mean? Aren't, aren't we, aren't we going to pass our tests, and aren't you going to grade us? He says, no, no, come on, keep going to chapter two. And once, no, no, now hold on a second, what do you mean? What about our grade? He says, well, he says, I want you to know that this test, like all tests in life, are not to show me how you're doing as a teacher, to show you how you're doing. The law is like this. The law is to help show us how we are doing. And I know a lot of times that we like to use this measuring stick on other people, but I really challenge you guys and just ask that you try to make sure that we take this home with ourselves to remember that the law is to help show us how well we're doing. It doesn't, show, it doesn't show God how well we're doing. How many of you guys know that we are saved by grace? When, when you are saved, that is a past tense word. And if you don't know this word, you ought to. It's a really good word because the, the Greek root word uh, in Scripture talks about being um, saved spirit, soul, and body. How many of you guys are dealing with anything... Um, natural this morning. Maybe you, you've got a headache or maybe you've got um, some shoulder pain. Anybody coming with some shoulder pain? Yeah. How many of you guys know that, that when it comes to um, these things, that God is not upset with you for missing, missing it? You're like, wow, how dare you? You can't believe God. You can't believe me for your healing. Like it, how about, how about this? How many of you guys said something or did something this last week that you regret? You said something to someone you loved and, and you immediately regretted it. Or maybe you had a bad attitude. Maybe you were just you're just grumpy, you're you're just rude. I, I know I know I had some some things this, this week. I was not thankful, and we're supposed to be thank, we're supposed to give thanks in everything. And so God is not like up up in heaven, you know, like Zeus with a with a thunderbolt and ready to get you. Ah, ah you did it again. 
He's not up, he's not up there like an English teacher, you know, docking your grade because, because you kept missing it. You know, you, grammatical errors left and right. And you're, you're directionally challenged. Unbelievable. Like, this, that's my child? <laughs> Can't believe it. No, the law, the law is a test that God doesn't grade for believers. Because the thing about it is this. If you miss one, you miss them all. And here's the truth of this matter. For every person who's ever lived and who, who will ever live, you've already failed the test. The moment that you were born, you were born sinful. And even your good works, even if, if you could live, which none of us could, a perfect life that, is, that, is, that measures up to the standard of God's law, which the Pharisees were convinced that they could do, that's not what it's about. You're missing the point. Because the point is not about us doing it. It's about how God has done it, past tense. Why don't you guys uh, stand on your feet? And I'm going to pray over you this morning. And then I'm going to open up the altars uh, for my prayer partners. Uh, make your way down front, please. And I'd like to give you an opportunity to respond to this message. Because we've been talking a lot about do's and don'ts, a lot about morality and immorality. And I, I, I can speak for myself that, that I miss it. But you know, when it comes to the end of the day, I have a high priest in heaven who stands in my place and he says, you're good, even though you're not good. And, he, and here's the end of this, this story about test taking is that this is that yes, even though we've already failed the test, we have somebody who aced the test for us. And what God would be saying to you today is that if you'll believe in me, if you'll believe in my son, if you'll believe in the, the score that he got, you can have that. You don't have to keep trying to take this test on your own because if you believe in my son and what he did for you, you can have eternal life. You can have freedom. You can have hope that is unwavering. And so if any part of this message spoke to you, what I'd like you to do is just make your way down forward. And I'm going to pray over, over all of you. We're going to sing a song. But for those of you who raised your hand, if you had uh, pain in your body or if you're dealing with anything, uh, if you're feeling a little, a little stuck in your heart, a little bit, you know, a little bit of compression right here in your chest, make your way down. And, and we're just going to uh, sing a song this morning. So, Father, we thank you so much for your law. We thank you so much that, that God, you died on the cross and you took our, our place for us. God, we thank you that, that you're not about uh, measuring us according to our own works, but that all we need to do is believe. I pray and ask that your amazing grace would resonate within each and every single heart that is within the sound of my voice, God, and that we would respond to that grace to fulfill the, the call, the destiny that you place on our life. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees said amen. Please come if you need prayer for anything this morning. We'll, we'll dismiss in a moment. to
Let's get ready to dismiss, guys. I know there's ministry still going on, so the, the band's going to keep playing for just a, just a minute. But if, if you all just jump on your feet with me real quick, and I, let me just pray over you guys one last time and dismiss you guys. Thank you so much for coming out. Hey, listen, if this is your first time, I need you to do something. How, how, anybody is your first time here this morning? Wave your hand. Woo, make some noise. Hey, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Listen, when you're here, your family, but. We want to connect with our family. You may have a home church somewhere else, and you uh, may never come back, but that's okay. We want to just make sure that uh, you know that when you're here, you're family, and that you have family here no matter what. So those of you who are new, I need you to get out your phone. It's my first timers. I need you to text new here to that number on the screen. And what's going to happen is you're going to get a, a prompt back and we're going to get an opportunity to connect with you guys over the next couple of weeks and just learn a little bit about uh, each other, get, get connected here with the family and just be of whatever of, uh, help we can, readily available help that we can to you guys. And thank you so much for coming out and being a part with you, uh, with us. Make sure that word new here to so that number is all one word. 
And uh, we're so excited for what God is doing in your life. How many of you guys got something out of this morning? Amazing grace. God saved a wretch like me. Thank you, Lord. We're so glad that you saved us, Lord. So, Father, thank you so much that your amazing grace it found us. While we are so far away from you, God, that you reached down into the dirt. God, that you rescued us, that you saved us by your amazing grace. We love you. And it's, uh, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, God bless you guys. You know how we, we, we got to go out this way. If you're new here, it's going to sound a little strange. But all my, all my Trinity fam, help me out. Let's go. Love God. Love people. And lead well. You guys are dismissed. Have a great week.